say thank you for the privilege of being able to preach to you this morning. Uh, it is an honour and it's a privilege. I do enjoy this process. I've said it before. I enjoy the process of diving into Scripture, seeing where God can use me to pour out His Spirit upon it. Um, I like uh, seeing stories and seeing how God uses His people for His purposes. Um, I just don't particularly enjoy this 20-minute period from now to the end. So if you'll excuse my nervousness... Um, hopefully it should be okay. I couldn't even eat my breakfast this morning. Uh, bacon and eggs, it was all looking so good, I just couldn't do it. But um, here we go. Well, this morning we are going to continue on with the sermon series we've been having called Flawed. And this is a series where we see um, flawed individuals from Scripture and seeing how God has using their flaws for His purpose and His will. Um, a couple of weeks ago we had Bron preach on Rahab, the prostitute, um, it was an awesome sermon. We got to see how God used her flaws um, and then saw her faith um, in delivering Israel, uh, Jericho. And then last week we saw a man go by the name of Chris, what a beautiful name, come up here and preach on Peter. Now, Peter was very, very flawed um, from before um, he met Jesus and after he met Jesus. But he was an awesome uh, guy who was flawed and God really used him, particularly in setting up the early church, which is great. But now I've got the privilege of preaching on Samson. Now, if you've grown up in church, you would have heard the name, um, the guy called Samson, especially if you went through Sunday school. See, Samson was a pretty interesting character, particularly if you were a young boy like myself. He loved the idea of a man being really, really strong. He did a few things in his life which was extremely, exceptionally great. great. I mean, he could... Um, he caught 300 foxes, tied their tails together, set them alight and threw them in a field and burnt the whole field down. He also ripped a lion in half when it attacked him, just like you would a young goat, apparently. And he also took down a thousand Philistines with a donkey's jawbone. Now, if you're a young boy like me, that story, just you just love it. So that's what I grew up and that's what I knew about Samson. But it wasn't until I delved deeper into the man that Samson was, I um, sort of understand that it's actually a bit of a gloomy story. It's not all glory and honour. He was flawed and he was flawed deeply. He ran from his potential and his calling and he wandered far, far away from the life that God had called him to live. But despite his spectacular sin and disobedience, God actually used this man for a spectacular purpose. But before we get into the story of Samson, I think it would be remiss of me not to get down with you guys on a personal level and tell you a little bit about myself, particularly one flaw that I've had from birth. Um, it might come as a surprise to you that I'm a little bit flawed, but I've had, um, I've had this one flaw and it's um, ice skating. See, um, I, I pride myself in trying to be able to do everything, um, do everything well, um, I like to be, try to be athletic and give everything a go. But when it comes to ice skating, I put these foreign objects on my feet and I, I get in the cold. There's just something about it that I just cannot do and I'm, I'm really uncoordinated. I can go fast but I can't stop so I'm usually real bruised and battered by the end of it. But God actually uses this flaw in me because He brings joy to others. See, when they see me... <laughs> when they see me... Um, be uncoordinated, knock into the rails, knock into people. They laugh and they enjoy it and they see me on a different, different level. So that's, that's me. I'm flawed. It's a pretty average 
average analogy, but it's an analogy nonetheless. And if you want to get to know um, some of my character flaws, I've got family on the front row. They'll be happy to sell me out, I reckon. So as a flawed individual, I'm going to be preaching to you as a flawed church, but we're going to look at the life of Samson. But I want us to have peace and confidence to know that God calls flawed people for His glorious purpose. So the um, story of Samson is in the book of Judges. And the story of Samson takes place in between the, uh, the time between the death of Joshua and also the rise of the prophets and kings like Samuel and King David. And the book of Judges gives us a pretty grisly picture of the cycle the nation Israel were in. They get caught in this, this, this trap where they disobey God, His laws and His um, rules. Then, God, um, then they become oppressed um, and that becomes the judgment for their sins. Then eventually they cry out to God and God delivers them. Then they lapse and they disobey again. So they get caught in this yucky cycle. But God rescues his people um, in the form of a person called a judge. Okay? Um, my Bible commentary um, defines this really clearly. It says, God provides judges that at best only temporarily bring blessing to the people of God. His reason was to establish Israel's need for a godly king from the line of David. And I guess that mirrors the key theme in the Bible, that we're a little bit like the Israelites. We, we're flawed, we, we sin, we, get, we disobey, but we're actually called to a king. We're in need of a king, and that is Jesus. He's our saviour. So these judges were flawed, they were sinful, and they made many mistakes, but God was powerfully able to use them for his purposes. Um, for a few years now, uh, my wife and I, for about three years, we've been reading uh, our daughter Pippa, who's six years old. We read her the Bible every night. Uh, it's from the Jesus Storybook Bible, and um, she really likes it. And it's a really good way of, of bringing the Bible into um, your kids' lives. And so that's about three years, but we've sort of neglected Rory um, in the last sort of year or so. I mean, if, you, if you've got to know my son, he's, he's up and about, he's, he's, he's keen, he likes to, um, likes to be noisy, so we're... When it comes to about 7 or 7.30, we're pretty keen to get him into bed, sing a couple of songs and, and go back out. So I felt a little bit guilty and I felt a bit convicted. And so I thought maybe the best way to um, bring the Bible into Rory's life and, and bring God into his life is I'll paraphrase some Bible stories for him and I can tell it to him there. So some exciting stories. And I've, I've got a few down pat. I've got Jonah, I've got um, a Daniel in the lion's den, and also Joseph, but I've also got Samson. This is particularly his favourite because it talks about a strong man. So I thought instead of myself um, reading the four chapters um, in Judges, I'll give you Rory's paraphrased version that I give to him um, before he goes to bed. So Israel were being very, very naughty and they were doing stuff that God didn't like. So God called a man called Samson um, to help Israel stop being naughty and bring... Uh, and help fight away the bad people that were hurting them. But God needed to be a good man, not to drink any beer, not to touch dead things, and not to cut his own hair. God also made Samson really, really strong, like really strong, like Daddy. <laughs> and he was so strong that he fought and killed a really big lion, and he killed all the bad people um, that he came across. But Samson was naughty himself, because he married lots of women. He drank lots of beer and touched the dead lion. 
And one day, he was so bad, bad that he fell in love with a bad girl called Delilah. And she cut off all his hair, and the bad people came out, took out his eyes, and put him in jail. He loves that part. <laughs> but God still loved Samson. And Samson finally prayed out to God and asked him for one last bit of strength. God listened to Samson's prayer of faith and gave him strength to knock down two big pillars and take down all the bad people. So God still used Samson, even though he was a very naughty person. Now, this story actually brings more questions than answers for Rory. Um, Particularly, he would go, but Daddy, you drink beer. Could you fight Samson? He just likes those sort of questions. So there you have it, Samson in under a minute. But like I said, I don't have the time to go through all four chapters, but I do have a bit of scripture I want to read out to you, which gives us a real clear of the narrative that we're going to explore through Samson. We're going to see the call that God had on Samson's life, and then also how um, Samson disobeyed this call. So if you look to the screen, we've got Judges 13, 1 to 5. Okay. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. I'll read it from here. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Now 24 to 25 says, When her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir at him. So this is where it goes wrong in the next passage. One day when Samson was in Timnah, if that's going to come up. Yeah. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines and find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me, she looks good to me. His father and mother didn't realise that the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at the time. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. And at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped out the lion's jaw apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. He didn't tell his father or his mother about it. And when Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path and took a look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped up some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother and they ate it. But he didn't tell them. And that he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was custom for the elite young men. 
Cool. So that's the life, the early life of Samson. So now I want to look at, look at Samson's call. See, Samson was a child of promise. It was a miraculous conception. He was supposed to be set apart to be holy, anointed from birth, filled with the Spirit at a young age. This was going to be a new beginning for the nation of Israel, finally a strong man to come and deliver them from the oppression that they were receiving from the Philistines. And he was remarkably strong. He was also to be a Nazarite. Now, according to the law in Numbers chapter 6, a Nazarite man or woman would voluntarily accept three rules. No wine, no haircuts, and no touching dead people or animals. Now, that was voluntary. But with Samson, it's a little bit different. God called Samson first before he was born. He was to be set apart and dedicated to the Lord always and forever. And Samson was flawed. And God knew, a God knew it would be so. God in his life is shoved aside for a life of sex, violence and sin. So what does he do in this next passage? He breaks his vows and this is where it all goes wrong for Samson. He does three things. He marries a Canaanite woman, which was forbidden in the law. He took a swarm of bees out of the lion's carcass, which is one of the vows he broke, because he touched the corpse, which made him unclean. And at the feast of the wedding, he drinks wine. Uh, In the Hebrew word for feast means drinking of wine, which he was supposed to abstain from, which was in his vows. And then the next two chapters in the narrative, Samson continues to sin, continues to live this life of selfish, uh, selfish life guided by the flesh and violence. But through his miraculous strength from God, he was able to kill many Philistines and provide some relief for Israel at the time. See, Samson thought he had no need for God, but God was subtly working in his life, using his sins to bring deliverance for the Philist- from the Philistines. But there was one last vow Samson was to break after after and at that moment God's spirit would leave him. Enter Delilah, another woman, another foreigner but this time apparently it was real love. But watch what she does in this next passage of scripture. She gets pressured by her people to take Samson down. She gives in and sells him out and after failing three times to learn his secret strength, this happens. And if you get the screen for chapter 16, there we go. Then Delilah pouted, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share in your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realised he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me all his secrets. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands and Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with with his head in her lap and she called him in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound 
with bronze bronze chains and forced to grind grain in prison. So what does this story tell us, boys? I reckon you've got to find a Christian girl. And girls, maybe strong men aren't the brightest. So Samson, in this narrative, breaks his final vow. His hair is cut, the Lord leaves him, and the Spirit left him because of his disobedience. It wasn't magic, it wasn't the weights or the crossfit that kept Samson strong, it was God. Fortunately, the story does not end there. God is at work. God needed Samson, the sinner, the flawed man, one more time. Verse 22 in that chapter says, And his hair began to grow back. The Philistines at that point decided to throw a party to celebrate the capture of Samson. They thought it would be a great idea to parade Samson out into a big party, the man who had caused them so much pain, so much trouble. Samson came into this party blind and broken, almost on his deathbed. And he asked if he could just lean against the pillars for a little bit of strength. He leaned against the two pillars that supported the temple. And at that moment, in front of all his enemies, Samson called out to God in faith. He finally acknowledged God and asked for one more bit of strength. He acknowledged God that he was the source of his strength. And the Spirit came upon him. Then he pushed with all his might between the two pillars and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more than when he died than when he lived. So that's Samson, flawed, but never too flawed for God. So what does that say for you and I? There's a fair bit of narrative here. Now is the application. How great are our flaws, but how great is the God that forgives our flaws? Let's parallel our lives with Samson and that with your calling. Samson, we know, had a calling on his life. An irrevocable calling, Samson, was to be to God for God and God was, to be used, was going to use him. And I reckon it's the same for us as Christians, for myself and everyone in this room. God calls you and I to him first and foremost and I reckon that's why you're all here. Each of us has a testimony, whether it's big or small, miraculous or subtle, Somehow God has called you to a life spent with Him, filled with His Spirit to be used for His purpose and His glory. As you know, this calling comes with requirements though. God calls you to be obedient to Him. He calls you to love others as Christ loved you. And He called you to be faithful in all circumstances. But you might be asking yourself, well, what about my sin? What about my flaws? What about my failures? What about the ones that people know about? What about the ones that people don't know about? Well, know from God's example of Samson that God is powerfully able to use his sinner servants for his purpose. This is true for Samson. This was true for Rahab. This is true for Peter. And it's true for you and I. But how do we apply that statement upon our lives? Well, just as Samson was called to obedience to his family and to his people, We're called to different aspects of our lives. We're called to our families. We're called to our jobs. We're called to our church life, maybe to the mission field, maybe to your local sporting club. But let's admit, at those occasions when we're called, we're going to get it wrong. Yeah, we're going to get it real wrong. But we're going to get it right also. But this is the good news, and this is the statement I really want to press home, that our righteousness is not measured by our works, but in the God who calls and acts for His purpose. I'll say that again. Our righteousness is not measured by our works, 
but in the God who calls and acts for his purposes. God doesn't put a tick next to our name in the book of life when we make that meal for someone in need, nor does he put a cross in the name against your name when you get something wrong. There's only a tick or a cross against your name or for your name that comes whether you accept the judge who judges perfectly, the king who rules righteously, the unflawed son of God, Jesus Christ. This is how, this is God's wonderful redeeming love. Samson was like the thief on the cross that cried out to God in the last hour and God delivered him. God is the forgiving sin coverer and as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed his sins against us. Have you failed? God's not surprised. He's not angered. He's not set back or shocked. It's all in his plan and he will use you for his purpose somehow. His mercies are a bit like Samson's hair. It renews every single morning. As I said earlier, Samson's life started with so much expectation, so much promise, but the finale was a little bit underwhelming. He delivered Israel, but not total deliverance. Enter a man named Jesus 1,100 years after, who was, like Samson, born miraculously. Had amazing strength, but not of body, but over demons, disease and death. Like Samson, he was chained in tortures and, and put on dis- public display to be mocked. Like Samson, he would die with his arms stretched outside, outstretched. And through that death, when it looked like death defeated him, he would defeat his enemies. Like Samson, he was put in chains, but for our sins, not his. Samson was a strong man made weak through his sin, but Jesus voluntarily made himself weak to save us from the chains of sins. And that's the good news, because we're all a little bit like Samson. We've each got our flaws, we've each got our sins that we just can't get rid of. But the good news uh, to us today is that Jesus died for our sins. He died for your flaws, for your pride, for your lust, for your selfishness, for when you want to go out on your own. Those sins are dealt with right on the cross. He responds to our flaws with forgiveness, so that in Him we can have life. And it's when we see that, and when we see that sacrifice that amazing gift from Jesus, that we are transformed from within and we are made strong where we're weak. Thanks be to Jesus, the greater Samson. Now, we who are flawed have this decision to make, don't we? Will we love our flaws or fall into his forgiveness? If God uses sinners for his glory, what can he do with children who praise him? If he can do wonders with disobedience, what miracles can he do with our obedience? And this is where I want to close. So if the band want to come up, I want to close with these last two points. Are you, as a person, being obedient to God's calling on your life? If our purpose at first is foremost to give glory to God, to love God, to love others with all our heart, are you being obedient to that calling? Is your life a reflection of the testimony of Jesus Christ who gave his life selflessly to you so that you could be free and have eternal life the spirit provided samson with the gift of strength yet no fruit was produced in his life and had no effect on the character of his heart so the question another question i want to ask you are you a spirit-filled christian producing fruit that is is your life and calling a reflection of jesus in your heart are you a light in your workplace Are you self-controlled, loving, joyful, patient and kind? 
when we look at our lives, we need to always remember that we are being obedient and faithful to a faithful God who always keeps his word, who never fails. God promised that he would use Samson to deliver Israel from the Philistines, and he did. Even though Samson disobeyed him, God was still patient with him, and so he is with us. God will always keep his word with us no matter how flawed we are, how far away we stray, and how flawed and disobedient we are. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14 talks about the the promise that we have in God. God's grace through Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will always be with us. So if this is all too doom and gloom for you and you're asking yourself, geez, I'm too deep in my sin, I'm too deep in my circumstances, how can God deliver me or even use me? I'm too flawed. How could he use me? Well, the last point I want to bring home is that it is never too late to call out to God. Just like Samson, it was never too late for him. It was never too late for the thief on the cross. Scripture makes it clear that God loves us with an everlasting love. He stands ready to forgive anyone who sincerely turns to Christ in repentance and faith. Just as God heard Samson, a deeply flawed man at the last moment, so he will hear you at any moment you call out to him. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, He is patient with you, not wanting anybody to perish, but everyone to come to him in repentance. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that you are here listening to our call. Lord, we call out to you and we ask for forgiveness. Lord, we bring our lives before you now at your throne and we give you all of it, Lord God. And we ask that you will forgive us and watch over us and use us for your purpose. Lord, we thank you for the example of Scripture that you are using your flawed people for your purposes, Lord God. So work in us in us a purpose to be used by you, Lord God. And thank you that we can do that, Lord God. So we pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you.